Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk. Today, we're joined by Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegels as we continue our Giant opponent previews, and we're finally into the NFC East as we do our final three previews, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week. It'll be Washington, Philadelphia, then Dallas on Thursday, and then maybe we'll try to get a national reporter on on Friday to uh, talk a little bit around the league. And today, to talk about the Washington Commanders, is their play-by-play voice, Bram Weinstein. Bram, how are you? you? got Paul, John, and Jeff here in East Rutherford. Hope you're doing well, man. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. We are doing fantastic. So let's just start overview for you. This offseason, uh, what was your takeaway? What do you think the Commanders' main goals were, and did they accomplish those goals? Their main goal was to get a quarterback, and... <laughs> At times, it felt desperate to the extent that they were wanting to acquire a quarterback. Um, they wanted Russell Wilson. They were not able to acquire him. Obviously, he went to Denver, um, and they went to Plan B, and they wanted a veteran, experienced player, and they went with Carson Wentz. So they made a deal. They have him under contract for three years. None of the last guaranteed. So, you know, you could take that for whatever that means to you. That, like, is this a test drive? They're not exactly painting it that way. Um, and they have positioned this as they have found their answer at quarterback. And this is really the first time that I think in Ron Rivera's three years that he's kind of put a lot of eggs in one basket. And, you know, the team around it looks like it should be competitive. To what degree competitive? Playoff competitive, maybe division competitive, you know, probably eye of the beholder with that. But their key goal was get a quarterback, and they did accomplish it. Now, understanding that Wentz was a bit of a, a settle, if you will, I mean, you kind of already explained that. What is it about him that they think will help this team move forward? Understanding that Taylor Heineke had shown some flashes when he played, mm-hmm. it wasn't like he was a total washout. Yeah, no, I think I don't think they were unhappy with Heineke. I think there were some limitations um, in his skill set, and there was a ceiling for him. Um, he's very well liked in the building. He's clearly going to be the primary backup of the team. Like there, there's no question with that. So I don't think they soured on him. I think that Rivera started to feel as if that the typical you know machinations of an NFL run of a head coach is in year three you need to start winning. And they believed that they needed a quarterback to get the ball down the field um, and open up their offense more was paramount for them. They wanted to do it with a veteran quarterback. It also happens that this year that the draft was not quarterback rich. So I think they defined themselves in a situation where they were wide open to talking to anybody about anybody. Um, And Russell Wilson was the most likely target to be moved and he has some regional affiliation here. So there was a lot of, can we sell Russell Wilson on being the first commander's quarterback? He happened to have grown in Virginia. Would there be some kind of lore for him to want to come back? And when that didn't happen, um, 
I don't know that desperate the way I would go about it, but they they publicly kind of portrayed themselves as we're open for business here. If you have a veteran quarterback that you are releasing um, or wanting to trade, we're open for it. And I also believe that it is likely that if Jimmy Garoppolo did not have shoulder surgery when he did, that that may have been the target for Washington as well. So there were seemingly a number of interesting options. Those got whittled down once Wilson moved to Denver and Aaron Rodgers wasn't leaving and some of the others weren't as available as maybe initially we all thought. The team had turned its attention away from the draft very early in the process and had decided that that's not the direction they were going to go. And Wentz became available. And, you know, of all the things you can say in the last two years, if you don't watch him, you're not going to like what you see. But if you do, if you want to rewind the past a little bit and think about the way he played in Philadelphia pre all the injuries and go look at his record against the NFC East, Washington and Rivera trying to sell everybody, we have someone who, if he gets his confidence back, is going to be a top-tier quarterback again. Well, Bram, I think you when you look at what he did last year um, with Michael Pittman, he definitely elevated his game a little bit. And when you look at the on paper what Indianapolis had in their wide receiver court compared to what the commanders have coming into this season, of course, they drafted uh, Johan Dotson and, and also Terry McLaurin. Not drafted, but obviously they're a great player. Tell me a little bit about what you see and that connection just the short time that they've been together and how maybe that's going to affect their passing game. I'm obviously, it's going to be really good. Um, and I'm just interested to see you know, how maybe this offseason they've worked together and, and anything that you can add to that to make everybody believe that, that Carson Wentz is going to come back. We all know about how he's played the last couple of years. We also all know about how he played a few years ago when he was in the NFC East. So, you know, this is, this is all grain of salt because I'm sure your two top ten rookies look great in shorts and T-shirts, too, running around in the spring. And <laughs> Good point. Saying, you know, wonderful things about them. Um, you know, off of the spring, there is a little bit of know it when you see it. And Dotson, I think the word that everyone really kind of has for him is it's really smooth. Like, it is obvious that, like, he gets it, that he can play at this level. There is – there's no feeling of concern. There's a tremendous amount of optimism. Once they got the McLaurin deal done, because you'll recall he didn't he didn't practice at all during the offseason because he was waiting out a contract. You know what trading camp opens would be the first time that the two of them are out there together. Um, Curtis Samuel barely played last year with a groin injury. The expectation is he's going to be back and healthy, but we'll see. I think that's to be seen, and we'll see. Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver in college. Um, he's been a primary running back, but with all of this other speed and potential versatility with people like Samuel, it seems to open the door for position flex for him. Um, they did draft a running back behind him, which was really necessary. He, he, in my opinion, got way too much of the load last year put on his back. And so I would argue that this is the best collection of talent in terms of versatility, speed, playmaking ability that they've had in a long time. And so you add Wentz into that and someone who can open up the offense and can get the ball downfield differently than, say, Heineke did or some of the other quarterbacks they've had in the past. You know, the onus here is on the offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, to figure this out and make this thing work. And we're hoping that the problem is there's one ball and too many good people to catch it. And that's what we're hoping is going to work out. But collectively on the whole, we're very optimistic down here that they could have the makings of the beginnings of an explosive offense. Bram, I have a two-part question on the wide receivers. I think I'll knock them both out here. One, if Drake London was sitting there at 11, does Washington still trade down, or, or do they just take London? Why don't we start with that one first? Take London. Take London. Yeah. <laughs> no hesitation. No, no. He was, yeah, he was, he was going to be taken, and I. They, it was really funny, too, during on draft night, like, there was a lot here that, that Ron Rivera loved Chris Olave. And when they traded down and then the Saints took Olave in that spot, it was like, wow, we had that wrong. Or, uh, or Washington miscalculated and thought they'd get him later in the first round. But they've been very happy with Dotson, and of course they're going to sell you that that's the person they wanted all along. But, um, yes, I do not believe they would have traded down if Drake London was available. All right, part two of that question. Last year – I love De'Ami Brown coming out of North Carolina. I love the speed. I thought he would be a very good receiver. And I'll just be very blunt. He pretty much did nothing last year. He had 12 catches, 165 yards. Do, you, do they think that maybe they could unlock him 
having a, a more physically talented player in Carson Wentz, you can maybe unlock some of that speed that he brings to the field? Yeah. I mean, what's different now for him is because of the drafting of Dotson and because likely of the return of Samuel, and they also have Cam Sims, who they like a lot, who is, who's you know kind of treated more as an outside big target receiver for them. He's going to have a hard time getting on the field right now. Yeah. So it's just, it's just a crowded room. Um, with Brown, you know, they, they loved him. They love his speed. They love his hands. Um, what happened very early and was obvious in camp, into the preseason, and into the games, in his opportunities in contested catch situations, he wasn't winning. Mm. Um, and part of that is the season kind of went along. You know, as the season went along, they were kind of hinting that they wanted him to get NFL tougher which probably to you guys, you know what that means. Sure. And we all got the sense of what that meant. And so they put him on special teams by the middle of the year, and something actually clicked for him. And towards the end of the year, he started making more plays. So they're optimistic that he's going to become the receiver that they thought he would be. But I just, I mean, how often is he going to be on the field if their primary receivers are healthy? So his opportunities are, it's not as wide open for him as it was. Uh, but, you know, he's, I don't know, in our opinion, he's a clear-cut lock to make the team, and we'll see what kind of opportunities he gets. So the club's got some wide receivers. We know Logan Thomas is a productive tight end in the passing game, but ultimately, if Carson Wentz is going to get the ball out, he needs a stout offensive line. A lot of money was spent on acquiring free agent Andrew Norwell to play left guard, but the rest of that line, I don't know, Bram, to me, I'm not so sure that I would feel all that confident. Well, Paul, remember, they also lost Brandon Sheriff to free agency this no offseason, too. Yeah. Which is why they put the money into Norwell. So, I think the, there are two humongous, well, maybe three humongous question marks about this roster, and one of them is the offensive line. The other one's on defense, so we can get around to that with linebacker and potentially in the secondary at safety. But, like, offensive line, to me, is the biggest question mark. Sheriff, for some reason, wouldn't take their money. Um, and so he ended up walking after two franchise tags, and I, but they, I think they anticipated that happening. The surprise of the offseason, at least on the offensive line, was Eric Flowers, who had a non-guaranteed $10 million payment set up for him to come in this year. He was a clear-cut candidate to restructure, and something happened when he came in and made some demands about what he wanted that restructure to look like, and they let him go. So they were suddenly replacing probably their two best pieces on their offensive line overnight. And they've done so with, and this is, you know, I'm sure it's around the league. It's like this, but here there's a lot of ex Panthers that have come through because of Ron Rivera's you know, time in Carolina. And he's got two ex players that he's very comfortable with, but they are at the latter stages of their career. And they're both on one year deals, Trey Turner, and Norwell, who are going to be the starting guards, Chase Roulier, who they gave a lot of money last year, Missed a lot of the season with an injury. He's not healthy yet, so we're not sure exactly when he's going to be starting. They're going to be relying on a second-year right tackle and Sam Cosby, who they like a lot, but missed a lot of time with injuries last year. And they love Charles Leno, but no one's pretending that he's a top-tier left tackle. So I agree with you. I, I really think the biggest question of the Washington offense this year, outside of does Wentz look like the guy from 2017, is can they protect him specifically in the middle of the line? And quite frankly, he's one of those quarterbacks, and there are many of them, so it's not a knock that you can rattle him if you get some heat on him. I mean, it's just that simple. Uh, and so if I'm him, yeah, I'm, I'm taking those guys out to dinner every night and making sure they get the job done. <laughs> they do have a deep group. Like the, the other part of this is, like, they do have a group. This happened last year. It's happened again this year, even without Sheriff and Flowers. They have reliable people like Wes Schweitzer, you know, who names that won't like ring a lot of bells to a lot of people outside of this area, but they have people that can play. This was tested last year. This team was on its fourth center by the middle of the season because of a variety of injuries that occurred. They were on their second and third guards at different positions. They had to flip a tackle to play left and right tackle. Bram, if like, you're looking for a Kleenex for, for banged-up offensive linemen, yeah. don't come here because we don't have any Kleenex <laughs> yeah. left over to give you, okay? We, we, we had a ridiculous situation with the offensive line from injuries a year ago, and still they got through. And the other thing, like, and again, like this is one of those things that when you're local, you, know, you kind of know it. The coach of the offensive line here, John Matsko, is highly well-respected. Mm -hmm. And 
I think the proof is in the pudding with how that they stayed competitive, even with the amount of injuries that they had on the offensive line. So there's a little bit of let's like we will we'll believe that Masco will get this done, even if the group on paper doesn't look anywhere near as formidable as the one that was out there a year ago. Brown, real quickly before we get off of the offense, I just wanted to ask you about a couple players because one of them I was I really liked coming out of the draft this year, and that's Brian Robinson. You know, he sat behind those players at Alabama. Give me a little bit of your take on him. Will he get some you know reps? Um, how has he looked in the off season? And real quickly, Ricky Seals Jones, obviously a, a pass catcher there in Washington, now with the Giants. A little bit about him. Ricky Seals Jones was outstanding. Um, he was someone who came in and was just kind of a veteran bridge tight end. Suddenly, after Logan Thomas got hurt, they were leaning on him hard because the only other option they had was a rookie, John Bates, who actually turned out to be a very good, fine player for them. I, they thought of him mainly as a blocking tight end, but he got thrust into a different role because of the injury to Thomas. Seals Jones was outstanding for them. He's a pro. Uh, he can make good, tight catches. So I think you have a, I think you have a very good option in him. And as for Brian Robinson, this was a necessity for this team. You know, I think as I mentioned earlier, it was my opinion. I think they leaned a little too hard on Gibson and put a little too much on him. Mm-hmm. That they needed a backup running back. They didn't trust. They had this undrafted rookie, Jared Patterson, who had this unbelievable, you know, numbers and stats out of Buffalo. But he went undrafted because of his size. And they yeah. kept him because he had one of those, like, scintillating preseason summers where he was off the charts in preseason games. And they kept him over Peyton Barber, who was a veteran. And they ended up not playing him very much in the games. So Gibson got way too much of the load. The team's, um, you know, ability to execute on short yardage line went down last year. So I think Robinson was a necessity and an answer. And he's a, he's a traditional big running back. They've needed this. So I anticipate that, you know, they're going to rotate a lot more than they did a year ago. They're going to give Gibson a spell, potentially have an opportunity to put him on the outside as a receiver at times. Robinson will probably be out there once they get comfortable with him in goal line situations. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Bram, I want to jump to the defense here. And I think heading into last season, we all thought, heck, Washington might have the best defense in the division. We all had very high hopes. And then, frankly, it ended up being a bit of a disaster, (laughs) despite the fact that you have four excellent starting defensive linemen. Uh, You brought in a couple new guys in the secondary. Was it just a matter of the secondary playing so poorly that the defensive front just couldn't make you know get home I know Chase Young got hurt you know what, what was kind of the answer to why the defense fell apart last year and, and what was done this offseason and, and and what are the and what's the anticipation of, of how that gets fixed this year so what the coaches will say about it from the beginning of the year was two things were happening um, one they were unhappy that most of the secondary kind of as a unit did not attend a lot of the offseason stuff or all the stuff that they didn't have to, all the voluntary stuff. And they made a big point of this, that like that they just felt like this was, this was not good, and communication was way off early. They gave up so many big plays. They were historically bad on third and long. Yeah. They were giving up all sorts of the long pass plays. It was, it was really bad. The other side of it was, and Rivera used this word last summer where he said, we have a maturity issue here, and he was talking specifically about his young stud defensive linemen, not so much that they weren't talented, but they weren't working in coordination with one another, that they were all kind of just doing their own thing. Uh, he was, Rivera was unhappy that Young was not bull rushing more, not using his strength 
um, over, you know, these moves that he was trying to develop and that he was easily being blocked. And so they had a problem up front with the best part of their defense not working in coordination. And they had a problem in the back with communication in general and people missing assignments. And it started to rectify itself by the middle of the season. But by that point, Chase Young had gotten hurt. Montez Sweat got hurt. And it kind of, it was a little too late. They had dug themselves a hole. They didn't have their playmakers out there any longer. What's happened this year is the message got across to everybody. They want everyone to show up. And the attendance was extremely high throughout the offseason. Young, who I doubt is ready by week one, but hopefully is ready early in the season, um, is rehabbing. So that's, you know, interesting open question, you know, heading into the year. But largely, if you just go off of vibes of buy-in, this is a very different group. Um, the messaging to them of, we need you to take this more seriously, we need you to carry us, we're relying on you, is there. Like, I see holes in their defense, specifically at linebacker and potentially at safety, but I do feel like the whole buy-in part of this whole thing and the whole we need to work together as a unit and we need to be on the same page – that's been drastically different from a year ago. I need to ask you about a guy who kind of, uh, he's off the team now, but, I mean, Landon Collins, who did so much for the Giants for years, and then he goes to Washington. We all thought that he was getting a, a ridiculous contract, and I guess the people in Washington finally figured out that they had overpaid him. But he was still, nonetheless, a guy who did some good things on the field. They've decided to move on from him. Was that more of a salary cap issue, or did they really need to revamp their secondary and get younger? That was a salary cap issue. Um, they knew that they were going to go sign a quarterback, and their quarterback wasn't. Their quarterback room was not going to be under twenty million dollars collectively any longer. So that was this is a salary cap move. Uh, they do like him a lot. You'll notice he's not on a team yet. Um, they have left the door open for him to return because specifically, this was complicated last year. But Washington plays like two linebackers, and they have this what they call their Buffalo nickel which is essentially a could be a linebacker, but essentially is a safety that plays like a linebacker and kind of has a hybrid role. He thrived in this once they moved him into this, which was one of the changes that they made when the defense had so many mistakes early in the season. He was thriving in it. Um, to your point, they didn't believe that the contract was something that they wanted to continue with, and so they asked him to take initially a pay cut, and then it's rumored they asked him to take a second one after they acquired Carson Wentz, but I'm not totally sure about that. Either way, he decided he wanted to be released. He was, and he's still a free agent. So I don't know that it's impossible he doesn't come back, uh, but my gut says he'll probably go somewhere else if for no other reason. Who wants to give up a contract like that and go back to the same team for one-tenth of the price? How so banged up is he? going somewhere else. How banged up is right. he, though? Because he's had enough of injuries over his career. I know he's only 20, what, 28 years old, but that's an old 28 because he he hits people, and he's he's gotten battered over the course of time. He had a couple of things towards the end of the year, missed a couple of games, but it was nothing. I don't think any of this was really injury-related or anything like that. I, I just... You know, there was a lot of back and forth initially where he kept saying he's he's not a linebacker, he's a safety, and we got into this whole thing where we're like, well, just call him a safety, but watch him play linebacker. You know, like, what's the difference? Like, who cares what his title is? He's a playmaker, and he became an enormous playmaker for the defense by the middle of the year. Um, we all knew, though, because of his, the terms of his contract, that it was likely that he was probably not going to come back. Um, but I still think the door is kind of slightly open if he's willing to play that role and do it at a rate where he can come to work smiling. Well, Bram, it's funny, by the way, just real quick. The fact that Eric Flowers didn't want to compromise on something isn't a surprise to us because he left here because the Giants wanted to move him to guard and he didn't want to go to guard. He left and then he went to guard. And then if you ever suggested to Landon Collins when he was here that he should be a linebacker, you did not want to see the yeah. response that you got from him. <laughs> so neither of those two things yeah. really surprises me, to be honest with you. <laughs> It was so crazy, though. Like, you know, by the middle of the year, we're all sitting there going, like, what position does Jamal Adams play? You know, like, <laughs> right. yeah. what, what, like, what would you call that? You know, what would you call the position Derwin James plays? Well, that Landon Collins does that for us. So they have him make up the name. You know, like, if that's what really bothers them, <laughs> let him make up the name. No, I'm with you. Jeff, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that is funny, though, that, about the flowers. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, 
you know, when you look at this defense, they've got 10 starters coming back from that 21 season, you know, minus Landon Collins. And, and on paper, I mean, you look at this, you know, the front seven of this, I think the, the linebackers would probably be, and you said this, Brown, is that is the, probably the question. But when I look at this defensive line, obviously they had a, you know, you drafted, is, is it Federian Mathis in the second round with the 15th pick? He's going to add some depth at that defensive tackle position. But when you look behind uh, Montez Sweat and Young, I don't see a lot of depth there. What's your take on that? And also a little bit on the cornerback position with Benjamin. Is it St. Juice? Is that, did I say his last name right? Yeah. Um, if he's uh, yeah. going to move, I think it's going to move into that nickel position and how he's adjusting to that. Uh, they're pretty happy with the depth they have on the defensive line, especially on the edge. Albeit, you know, everyone understands that if Sweat or Young are playing, that they're not going to have the same caliber of player. I mean, sure. like, you can't replace those guys. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're freakish athletes. And in the case of Young, like, I'll know more next week when trading camp opens when they say when do they actually anticipate him coming back. And I am bracing for he may not be ready for week one. I think we're all kind of bracing for that to be said. So we'll see. But they like the guys they have behind them. And, in fact, their defense got better as it went along, and Young and Sweat missed most of the second half of the year. So, you know, there was some buy-in from that. Um, up the middle, they did use a second-round pick on Fedarian Mathis. He's more of a pure nose than what they've had. Um, Deron Payne is in a contract year. He feels like the likely man out of all these guys they have to pay. So Mathis may replace him in a year, but Payne's, you know, going to play through this year with them as their starter defensive tackle. And then as the corners, you know – they, they're taking a risk with St. Juice. They love him. He is big um, and kind of unusually sized for a slot corner position, but they're touting it like he's made this transition and they're happy with it. They feel better with Kendall on the outside. They're hoping William Jackson III has a better year than he did a year ago. And if St. Juice works for them in the slot and they don't have a bunch of injuries, you know they should be fine. Depth in the secondary is a big issue for them. And the linebackers are, too. They're also transitioning Cole Holcomb to their middle linebacker position. He did that in the middle of last year. And they're hard-selling all of us that work, too. But I think that's a wait-and-see as well. All right, final question, Bram. I know you got to go. Uh, Javon Davis is a guy we talked a lot about heading into the draft last year together. We talked about this offseason as well. You mentioned Holcomb's down the middle linebacker. So Davis now, they're looking at him more as a will. He's not going to be the Mike. And, and what, where do you think he's going to be this year? Are they hoping he can kind of fulfill their hopes of his pedigree when they drafted him in the first round? When they drafted him, they wanted him to be the middle linebacker. It became clear that that was not going to be a natural position for him. Um, as a pure athlete, I would say that Chase Young is their best pure athlete, and he might be their second best. So the answer is not to not have him on the field, but if you just think about what's been described here, this team typically plays two linebackers. He's not going to be the middle linebacker. Well, you know, <laughs> if he's not playing this one other particular spot, does he not play very much? So I think that's one that we'll be watching here too. What exactly is his role? And will the light bulb go off for him? Because when you watch him play – he clearly has the skill set to do this at an extremely high level. They just need to get him comfortable in what his responsibilities are. And if that does ever happen, I think he's a very positive, positive player behind that defensive line. Bram, great stuff. Uh, here's your chance. Promote anything you want to promote that, that you have going on that you want the folks to know about. Well, I feel bad for you all that you have to play in between the bye weeks when we play you twice. So I feel like that second game is a layup for Washington late in December. But outside of that, <laughs> you can listen to me on uh, ESPN six thirty to Sports Capital three to six, and of course I call the games for the Commanders, and I look forward to seeing you guys uh, up in New York when we come up there late in the season. Can't wait to see you, Brent. Thanks so much. Giants, Stay well. Giants in Washington, as he mentioned, play on December 4th and December 18th. And the Giants have the Eagles in between there. So we'll see how that goes. Bram, good stuff. Thank Enjoy you, Enjoy the season. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. Bram Weinstein, great job out of him talking Washington football with us. Uh, guys, your thoughts here uh, generally, and we can kind of do a little general NFC East talk here as well since we're kind of branching into the division here. Um, as we move forward here with our team previews. Before we do that, though, I want to remind everybody, Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits do include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. 
You can lock in your seat starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more <clears throat> information. <sighs> Washington's interesting. Wentz is such a wild card. Oh, there's no question. Like, and, and, yeah. and I think, Paul, you made a really good point in your question about the offensive line. Wentz is the guy that if you don't protect him well, things can go bad. He crumbles. Really quick. And he gets hurt, for that matter. He does. So take your pick. Neither one is a good result. So if they can figure out a way to protect him and Wentz can play relative to what he did for the Colts last year, you know, be a middle of the you – know, well, was he a middle-of-the-road quarterback last year, Wentz? Yeah. Slightly below average, maybe? It was okay. You know, maybe the 18th, 19th best quarterback in the league, 20th best quarterback, whatever. When we, when we talked to the Colts guy, he said, don't even look at the numbers. He was just downright had to be replaced. Which right. is interesting. Well, because I think he had a lot of. Mo- I think he was hurt. Based on talking to people that followed, look, I probably watched one Colts game the whole uh, yeah, year. Yeah, we didn't I really mean, see them. Wh- why would sure. we, right? Sure. So, I think it was one of those deals where he compiled a lot of numbers on easy design mm. throws, but like fourth quarter comebacks, big games end of the year, third and long, like when you really need your quarterback to right. like be the guy. I don't think he was necessarily capable of being the guy. And by the way, that's with him being supported by a good running game and a good offensive line. So mm-hmm. what does he bring to Washington now, right? Well, that's why when he said that, you know, this was like a fallback option, you know, they wanted to go higher when they shot for their veteran quarterback and they had to settle for Wentz. I thought him saying that Jimmy G might have been an option was a very interesting throwaway there because – you know, obviously, Jimmy G coming off the shoulder situation. My God, I think Garoppolo's pretty good. I, I, I like him. I think he's in the upper half of quarterbacks in the league mm. when he plays. No, I'm, I'm not when sure I agree, but fair enough. Look, he's in that middle of the pack. If you break him thing. down into threes, he'd be in the middle third. Yeah, I'll buy that. Okay? Yeah, I'll buy that. Uh, and I, I do think that when he's played, his performance has been better than Wentz. When he's played, yes. Problem is, Wentz gets hurt too much. I mm-hmm. would think I agree with that. Um, and, and plus, he was know. he was hurt. You know, remember he hurt his foot, and he wasn't even supposed to start, and you know, till later in the season. And then all of a sudden, he came in and he started and played all the games. So I think that I'm not a big Carson Wentz fan. In fact, I'm more of a fan of him being on the Commanders because we know he's not going to be very good, no, and that's a good thing no, for us. I will say this, Jeff: when he was quarterback in the Eagles, Giants never beat him. No, yeah, I never. understand that, but I just I don't I don't think that he, I don't think he's gotten any better. I think that his no. I think you know what I'm saying. So, I, look, Jeff, and, I think I think I think he's gotten worse. Oh, yeah, he's, gotten, he's definitely gotten yeah. worse. But I feel like you know when you look at at what they went out and got him for, I, I feel like they're just trying to, they got the best available, which isn't the best really. It's just, it's not a very good signing in my opinion. And but by the that, way, the, pr- the problem, Jeff, is that the price was so high. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. like, if it was only like a second that, round pick or something like that, all right, they traded a like, well, I, I gotta look the, what was it, a one of the, one yeah, of the two? Yeah, and that's why I asked him about Heineke because it seems to me that for the gamble they're taking with Wentz, Knowing that, you know, his upside is a very small percentage chance of succeeding, wouldn't they have been better off holding on to their assets and going with Heineke? Because is Heineke's best going to be that much shorter than what Wentz gives you, given that he's always got problems facing pressure and keeping himself healthy? Well, I'll tell you what. Heineke, with all the the people that we've mentioned on their offense – Aside from their offensive line, I, I think is not going to be that great. I mean, he's, they have some weapons. So I don't see why that Carson Wentz and when I look at what who's who's he going to be thrown to? I mean, Heineke could do the same thing, in my opinion. I think he's a tougher quarterback. I think he gets out of the pocket and runs much better. Um, but obviously, they don't see something in him that you know, they see in Carson Wentz. Hey, look, I, I don't say this, get Jeff, it. Look, they saw Heineke up close for a full year, so sure. I, I think we have to. And, and Ron Rivera knows his stuff, right? I think yeah. you have to understand that they, even if Heineke's okay, they probably came to the conclusion that look to get to that next level where we're challenging for a division title, we don't think we can do okay, that. Okay, I guess so. You know? But it's still it's a lot of money to, to pay for somebody. It oh, is no, by the way, I looked at the trade. By the way, so they swapped twos mm-hmm. in 2022 in Indianapolis and Philly, but. Philly also sent a third-round pick in 22 and then a 2023 third-round pick 
that could escalate to a second rounder if he plays 70% of the snaps. So basically, oh. it was a... It doesn't th- go up to a one? No. It goes up it was, to a it two? It was a three, and That's then another three that then that can become a two. Anyway, go ahead, Paul. I'm well, sorry. you know what's interesting about it, though? You mentioned that Rivera knows Heineke. Well, obviously, he brought him in from Carolina right. to Washington in the first place. Now... Remember, though, then they brought in Fitzpatrick. Yeah, so, so he, maybe he never saw him as a starter type. I, yeah, I, it, it, that's a very interesting dynamic to me because also, if I'm Heineke, how do I feel about all this? I mean, you're, you know, you're the backup. They, 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 they decide during the offseason that I'm going to be the backup to bring in an often injured guy who has problems facing pressure. And I think, How does that make me feel? I believe Heineke makes was in Makes me feel a, like I'm going to play. Yeah, and I think, well, that's true. <laughs> and I think Heineke was actually interviewed this offseason, like, well, so you go, you go into this thinking you're going to be, like, competing with Carson Wentz for the starting mm-hmm. job. He goes, no, not really. Like, they just traded, mm-hmm. like, two picks for the guy, and they're paying him $30 million. And he's like, I, and I give him credit for being honest. He's like, yeah. they're not benching that guy. <laughs> and I'm like, no, they're not. You're right. <laughs> Unless he knows he's going to get hurt. <laughs> well, yeah, which is possible. I mean, Wentz was healthy for the most part for the Colts last yeah. year. He stayed healthy most of the year. But, look, I do think Brad makes a good point. I do think the skill position pieces around him are pretty strong. Yeah. Like, Logan Thomas yeah. is a good player. Um, Terry, yeah. you, know how much, you know how good Terry McLaurin is? He's an excellent Gibson's player. Gibson's good. Antonio Gibson, good, good a good running back, two-way player, right? Receiver, runner. Mm-hmm. And then you have that group of young guys, Jahan Dotson, De'Ami Brown, Curtis Samuel, uh, Cam Sims. That's a nice little supplementary group of wide receivers. So if they can protect them, they do have some weapons on offense to make some – like that's some speed out there. Like they have some weapons to make some – like Jahan Dotson ran a sub-4-4. Like he's a fast guy now. Mm-hmm. You and, know what I mean? And we didn't we didn't really get into Logan Thomas with Bram. I kind of just brushed over him when I mentioned his name, but he has been a very productive tight end. Sure. Did, what was did he have a was it concussions for him last year or was it a yeah. serious leg injury? I thought it was concussion. Okay. It was concussion. I could be I wrong, but I thought it was concussion. Oh, I thought it was an ACL. He might have had an ACL. You know what? Year. Let's go back. And he was a four four we'll, three. We'll find it. And to Dotson I think was it was a, four, a four, I think three, it was an ACL because he he tried to come back in that game. He got hurt. Oh, that's right, Jeff. Ah. I remember that. Remember? That's right. I do yeah. remember that now. Yes. Hopefully, correct. Hopes for a week one return from ACL injury. I see that it now. In week ten. I see it now. Yep. He did have concussions in his earlier career, in his though. career though. Correct. Earlier right, right. in his As career, he did get dinged. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean that's you know Washington is a, a very interesting team. I, I feel like you know, and and Bram he mentioned that on paper if these guys can stay healthy, I think the offense can be pretty good. You know, um, but I think that like the Giants and and Washington, you know, both these teams have been hit by injury bugs over the last few years, which you don't have any type of thing to go on. But I think on paper they they tried to get better. I mean they they added five offensive players on in the draft. Not that any of those guys are going to make huge impacts other than Dotson maybe. Although we, you know, guys, we like Brian Robinson. Remember we talked about him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's fine. You know, I mean, he's not a first rounder, but I mean, I think that. And who was the guy he mentioned that we liked last year that they signed? That uh, the guy from oh, um, uh, Jared Patterson from right? Buffalo. Yeah, remember? Jared Patterson. Yeah, yeah. He's a good player. We really liked him. So I think that, and he didn't mention anything about McKissick if he's if he's going to get if he's coming back if he's healthy because he's a Giants killer too. You know, that guy just he always makes plays against the Giants. Um, you, you know, Jeff, one of the things, though, that I like to do when I look at a team and I'm trying to assess, you know, what we think they're going to be, mm-hmm. I look at the starting lineup and I say, okay, look, if I'm a defensive and offensive coordinator on the opposition, uh, and I say this all the time about my own team, you always look for the matchups and you say, okay, match up these guys and look at where the Achilles heels are. Look at where the positives and where the negatives how are. How do you have to adjust your defense exactly. to deal with that? How, how are you going to deal with that team? And my, my defensive coordinator, the first thing he's going to say to himself on Monday when he gets to sit down and prepare for Washington, he's going to say to himself, Don't let Terry McLaurin beat me. I'm not going to let McLaurin beat me. Uh, their edges between Cosme and Leonard uh, Leno are the most suspect, probably, of anybody's tackles in the division. Okay. In the division, yeah, I agree with that. Right? Mm-hmm. First thing he's going to say. So we're going to attack those tackles, and we're going to send extra pressure on the edges as often as we can because, oh, by the way, we know that Carson Wentz is not only a guy who gets banged up a lot, but heat, not even hitting him, just heat. Causes him to crumble. So here's oh, I he'll throw picks now. So oh, so that. so that's crumble, the first whatever. the first thing I'm doing is wow, this is pretty simple to figure out how to attack this yeah. offense. And oh by the way, 
uh, there are teams in this division that have some edge rushers. And this is why I think, when all's said and done, this offense will probably finish in the third quartile of the league. So somewhere between like probably 16 and 22, like somewhere in probably. that zone, right? So to me, if Washington and the Commanders really want to make a run here it's and try to be win defense. the division, the defense has to bounce back. Just, it, you know, if the people who use our lads for their depth chart, they list where each guy was drafted, right? Yeah, you go down the, the list, this is first rounders all over the place, right? There this are. is where they've invested, right, up front on defense. If this team is going to make some kind of run this year, it's going to have to happen up front, right? The defensive line has to play has better to. than it did last year. Chase Young has to come back at some point and play better than he did when he was healthy last year. And the secondary, and Brand made this point, right? The first half of the year, he basically said the secondary was one of the worst. He didn't use these words, but he said they were they didn't communicate well. They gave up a ton of big plays, and it was really hard to win that. And run. now Collins isn't on their team right now. Well, I'm not sure. Landon Collins wasn't exactly the king of not giving up big plays. Understood, <laughs> but either. but they didn't help their back seven at all. No, they, in fact, they've subtracted. They're they're bringing back kind of the same guys, except for Landon Collins, which mm-hmm. which I always thought last year was an Achilles because everybody would keep saying, "Well, look at their front. Their no. def- their front's awesome." Well, it is. Well, that's the thing. But their back seven is an Achilles, and, it, that, and that's why I phrased the question to Brandon way I did. No was doubt, the secondary just so awful no that the front couldn't. Be what the front and the could linebackers be. too, and he basically said yes. Yes, basically it was his answer. So mm-hmm. can that back four, back five, back seven, however you want to you know classify it, can they at least they don't have to be good, they have to be okay, like just be average. And if they can be average, that'll unleash the front a little bit to get home a little bit. And I think the defense can be good. Do I think they're going to be like a top five, top seven, top eight defense? Probably not. But if they can be, you know. 10 to 15-ish, like in that area, with like the 18th or 19th ranked offense, you could be around 500. It's a simple game plan. Now, if I swap the the role and become an offensive coordinator, and I say, well, how am I going to deal with this defense? It's really pretty simple. Use traps, draws, counters, max protection against pass rush, get the ball out quick, screen passes. I mean, there's a host of things that I can do against a defense that is clearly top-heavy with a really good front and not much in the back seven. But if this group gets There's you, a lot that I can do. But if this group can get you into third and long, you're in trouble. Well, we're, again, we're, it, comes, it comes down to you don't want to be in third and long and you don't want to have to necessarily come from behind. Yeah, correct. Yes, great Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So th- those are things that could get a little sticky. Yep. But even if you're in third and long, if you want to just go max protect – and you believe that your guys on the outside can beat their suspect secondary, sure. even that situation isn't terrible. And, Jeff, by the way, they, they do have two veteran starting corners. Kendall Fuller and William Jackson have been in the league for a long time yeah. now, but they're not exactly Pro Bowl caliber players no. either. They're, they're veteran. solid. They're, 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 solid. Eh. They're, not, they're not great. They're not bad. They're solid, right? They aren't awful. I wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. call them good. Yeah. I, would, I would classify, I think Fuller's a little bit better than Jackson. Sure. And I would put Jackson at probably the way he played last year. Probably they, low they need him to play better. That's they, for sure. Oh, I, I, yeah. remember they. Oh, who did he replace? They paid him and they let who they let walk two years ago to to pay Jackson. Who is their other starting corner? Oh, I oh. can't remember. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. Uh, hey, well, uh, you had a point you wanted to make. I'm anyway. take a look. Ahead. I'm sorry. My, my, you made a good point earlier about this division having pass rushers, right? So I think that every one of these teams have it. When you look at the Giants' offense and how they're going to you know, deploy their receivers in that quick passing game. It makes sense to what you were saying earlier as far as how you're going to, you know, how are you going to play against these teams with these big pass, these, these pass rushers? That's that's the answer. And that's, Ronald Darby, by the way, was the corner. Darby, oh, like, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm sorry. Uh, from Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, when you look at what the Giants are wanting to do on offense, it certainly it bodes well because you've got that quick passing game. You've got the – if you can get the running game going to be able to, to free some of those linebackers and, and guys that are rushing, it helps you. So I think that, you know, when you're looking at, at Coach Dable and what he's looking at in the division – I, I see some good things out of the Giants' offense that they're going to be able to combat a lot of those pass rushers this year, and especially well, if the if the offensive line can hold up. I don't think Del Rio has the type of personnel that is going to prompt him to blitz a lot. Well, no, the whole point well, he is doesn't you want have to. to. You, you want, want to, to do it with the front. You want to rush for and protect your second. That's what yeah, you right. want yeah. to do right. because right. you know where your Achilles is. And Ron, yeah. and Ron Rivera is not a big 
blitz guy anyway, I don't think, right? No. From, from my memory? No. no. So, so to me, I agree with you, Jeff. I think the way that this matchup plays, it works very, very well. If all things are functional on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. Giants offense against Redskins uh, – Commander's defense. I'm sorry, folks. Oh, you lost. All right, you I lost. I lost. <laughs> put I a lost. dollar. Put a dollar in the in the jar. All right. No, but at least you caught yourself. Though. I did. Well done. Uh, I do believe <laughs> that all things being equal, with those two units facing each other, I like the way the matchup favors the Giants' offense. I agree with you, Jeff. I think you're sure. a thousand percent correct. Thanks. Well, it'll be interesting. Although they have David Mayo as a middle linebacker down there, so maybe there'll be some good things there. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I was interested in. Hey, David about. Mayo, he was a solid player. Really good special teams yeah. guy and a functional inside linebacker. And really good against the run. He yeah. was a good run defender. I really liked him against the uh, run. The actually. one thing that he surprised me with, with his comments, uh, Bram, he was very high on Ricky Seals-Jones. He was very high on Ricky Seals-Jones. Yeah. Had a lot of plaudits to throw out to him. And, and I look, again, I know he's got size and length. He has made some plays in the passing game. Folks down in Washington, other folks will tell you that he did have some drop season issues. And obviously, he's never had a breakout season. For a guy who's been in this league now a handful of years, he's never truly had a breakout season. Listening to Bram, though, uh, had a lot of positive things to say about him. So, hey, we talked about this on yesterday's program when I guess we were talking about uh, the Colts. And then we discussed some of the Giants' positions with uh, Lance. You know, we all believe that tight end position is wide open. Either Aikens or uh, Seals-Jones is going to step up and do what they haven't done in their NFL careers and seize the job, or Bellinger's just going to come in and say, you know what, fellas, it's my job and take it. Yeah. No, I think it's. I think that's a wide open. I think if you want to look at wide open competitions for camp, that's probably maybe mm-hmm. the most wide open mm-hmm. competition. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is interesting. What do you guys think? And I'm getting this off of USA Today. What do you think the Washington Commanders? Oh, that's funny. They still call them the Washington football team on USA Today. Do they? They don't have commanders there. That's okay. fine. See? They made a different mistake. This year, <laughs> um, what do you think their over under win total is? Seven and a half. They've got the Giants for seven, right? I'm not. I'm going to ask you that next. Oh, okay. I know I, Vegas, I believe, has the Giants for seven, and I think the Giants will be over. Uh, as far as Washington, I'm going to go Washington should be five and a half. All right. And you, I know, where, Jeff, what do you think the Giants over-under is? If you have Washington uh, at seven and a half, what do you think you have the Giants? I think the Giants are at, are at seven. The, at least from this USA Today article, which is the only way I can access gambling odds here because we're at a football facility and you can't look at any of that stuff because that's obviously we don't do any of that stuff. But but if both teams at seven and a half. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think if uh, these rosters are healthy, and again, we still don't know what the 53s are going to look like. We're still a, a, a month away from that. I like the Giants 90 better than I like the Washington 90. Oh, here's a question for you both. Generally speaking. And they had four different USA Today writers predict it for both teams. Yeah. The mm-hmm. Giants are split two and two, two of over, two of under. And for Washington, three of under, one have over. That's interesting. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. Who, who who has a better chance? Obviously, if they're going to go seven and a half for, for both these teams. And remember, this is 17 games now, too. So this sure. isn't the old six. It, it, right. 
it messes with your head a little bit. Oh, it does. We'll never get used to it. I mean, it could be. Until they go to 18. It could be. (laughs) This could be six and a half or eight and a half, depending on that, if they take that 17th game. Right, exactly. um, Which one of these? I know my answer. Um, Which one of these two teams do you feel are going to surprise people more this year? Will it be the Giants or will it be the commanders as far as their, you know, that seven and a half. Like, let's is just it, say, is it which wrong team... for me to say, I don't think either of these teams is going to surprise anybody. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me put it a different question. Okay. It, it, give me which one of these teams do you think will, will, will over, they will, they will, they'll, they'll do more than seven and a half. Well, based on that number, I think the giants will be over and Washington will be under. I think both these teams are going to be right in that neighborhood. Yeah, and I think it's gonna be whichever team is healthier. To your point, Paul, whichever team wins more close games, there's both will be in close games, and that's and look, I think they're very comparable. When you look at the two teams and where they are in their rosters, I I think they're extremely comparable. I think this is gonna be a pretty competitive division this year, right? I mean, obviously we have the Cowboys, who I think are going to be the leader, but. From what people would say, and I think the Eagles are much better team on paper. Hey, look, the Eagles have a good team, but does yeah. the can and when push comes to shove against yeah. a really good defense, can Jalen Hurts do enough to yep. score enough points? Yep, that's the question. Yep. So it'll be interesting. Of course, you know, towards the end of the season, when these division games come into play, that's when things start to get a little bit crazy. Yeah, remember the Giants, five of their last, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, not, oh yeah, I'm sorry, five yeah. of their last seven games mm-hmm. are division games. Mm-hmm. The only non-division games, or by the way, tough ones, at Minnesota and home versus the Colts. And see, uh, again, that's one of the things I loved about the schedule, because when you consider the Giants have the new coaching staff, they've got a lot of turnover in players, especially along that offensive line, you want to play most of your division games at the end, at the yeah. end of the schedule, thinking that that's where you've got the best shot to put your best foot forward. Assuming well, you're healthy, right? that's the way you're going to get to the playoffs. So you got to get through the division, right? So when I, why not five of the last seven? And hopefully, you know the Giants are moving in the right and trending in the right direction when they get to that. That would be amazing. Paul, I, before we say goodbye, I asked this question to Jeff and Lance when we were on together. So I'll ask it to you now. Yeah, Jeff and I already gave our answers on a private. Uh, prior show okay who do you think what did i say pearson you're laughing at me uh, you said <laughs> private show oh no prior 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 show, show. Prior show. we don't have any private i, shows pay, I know what you we haven't john you and i didn't do a private show did no we? <laughs> i was sure as hell hope not prior, the, a, pri- a prior show it's yeah, fine. I, was I, like, understood. I was like I understood. what's the point of that yeah no, no there, i understood yeah it wouldn't be a show it'd just be a conversation actually yeah. technically <laughs> um <laughs> um most indispensable player that the team cannot afford to lose on offense and defense? One on each. Who would you say? On defense, it's Blake Martinez again. Okay. That's mm-hmm. what Jeff and Lance mm-hmm. had. I had a Dory Jackson because he's the only veteran corner. I would not argue with that. And I also thought Blake was a great answer, so I had no problem with that answer. Either. Yeah. One um, A, one A. By the one way, one a. I'll say McKinney, you know. Since they don't have Logan anymore, there's not a ton behind Love and McKinney either. So I think that could be a conversation. That would not be a bad name. Offense, I'll still go with Blake, though, because he's also the signal caller. And, and, we, and we both agreed that defense totally was better. a lot easier to yes. pick. You all thought defense yeah. was the easy one. And then we all kind of struggled on offense. I'm curious to see where you would go on that. Besides QB? Besides QB, yes. Believe it or not, I'd go Barkley. I think that Matt Breida has some experience in this league. He's done some good things. But to say that he's got to be the number one guy, the potential drop-off from what Barkley can do, especially uh, given the fact that we think the offense is going to revolve around him a lot, to drop off to Breida, I, I, I think that's pretty that's pretty nasty. It's funny. that was We all mm-hmm. talked about it. That was our number three on our list. Wow. But that he was in our top three. Mine was... Kenny Galladay, because I don't think the team has another guy that can be an ex-wide receiver, given their size and experience. Like, Kadarius Toney, we don't know. Sterling Shepard injury. Wanda Robinson's 5'8". Like, who else is – who's playing ex-receiver? Like, Darius Slayton? Well, that, that's <sighs> you, you have to ask either a Slayton or a Robert Foster or a David Sills. Yes. To, to try to play one of those spots. Hence, I went with Kenny Galladay. And that's a, a legitimate <laughs> That's a legitimate issue. Yeah. 
So I think they need him to be really good. And then, Jeff, you and Lance, did you end up picking one of the two tackles, or you just said one of the offensive tackles? No, I said Andrew Thomas. You said Andrew Thomas. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a good answer. And because the reason then you're was moving. I'm going, yeah. Jeff. No, go ahead. No, no, it's you fine. please don't. No, you no go. because that way answer. I feel like the, when the depth at the tackle positions were not really too, you know, keen on, like, who are they really? You know, and so if you lost Andrew Thomas, do you keep um, your right tackle in place or do you move him over to the left? And then, so that yeah, to see, me was, I, there was a lot going on. They put Neil over there well, and, and I, have Gono play right tackle. And I thought that okay. was Jeff's, or yeah. it could be paired if he gets back. Could be. I thought that was, Jeff, I thought that was you and Lance's best argument. Yeah. Where then you have to start thinking about moving Evan Neal around in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. We right. saw with Penny Sewell last year, maybe that's not the best thing you want well, to no, do to a, a rookie comparison. in his rookie yeah. year. So I, I that to me is I would not want to mess with Evan Neal in his rookie year. Just let him play right tackle and go. And if you move Andrew Thomas, then all of a sudden you're tempted to start Gano. finagling. Gano. All, all very logical and fair conversations. Yep. You know, offense um, was much more difficult. Defense, it is. Think, it yeah. is. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I think for the Giants to get where they want to go this year, to be a team that's going to be around the 500 mark, Barkley's got to run for 12 or 1300 yards and he's going to have to catch 75 passes. He's going to have to have a stellar season. He's going to be like almost like one of those Christian McCaffrey. OK, years. and I don't know that Matt Breida could do that. If if they needed him to, what if you know Matt Breida to me is an 800 yard back and catches 50 passes? See, maybe, I'll say this or 45 passes. I just don't think he comes anywhere close. But all of your names are logical. And and look, Barkley was my and I we actually had a long conversation whether or not Barkley should be the guy when we had this conversation ourselves too. So we had that talk. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question for you: Do you need Barkley to be that productive if Galladay looks like the best version of himself? If Kadarius Tony plays like a first-round pick, and Wando Robinson's a really good rookie, I do because I need enough of a threat coming from that running back one position to give Daniel Jones the best opportunity against an honest defense, even as a receiver. Because I want defenses to have to respect okay. my running back one. That's fair enough. So that Jones has an even keel plate to play against. No, fair. Anytime a defense is going to get a chance to cheat against anything on my offense, Jones is now at a disadvantage. So you're basically saying the minute Matt, and this is not a shot of Matt Breda, he's just not Matt Breda, he's just not Saquon Barkley. You're not seeing the eight-man boxes when no. he's your no. own back. No, I think that's fair. No. And I think, he's be, I think he's a really good backup, to be honest. I think he's a good player, but you're right. Teams aren't going to stack. You, Daniel Jones will not get advantages because he's – the running back. There will be spots the teams will be able to do certain things and cheat and gang up on and, and show tendencies. I want Saquon Barkley to threaten defenses again. Remember I talked about headache players, and I'm going to stick with headache players to make you happy. <laughs> headache players. Saquon Barkley, when he's healthy, is a headache player. I want Daniel Jones to have that headache player in his backfield. Hey, give, give Paul credit. He's been preaching this since Barkley got drafted. He is sticking to his guns. He's holding on to the deck chairs. He's going. <laughs> He's going to see it this year. <laughs> He's got to be. He's yeah. got to be. For this team to get to where they want to be, he's got to be. Yeah. And I'll tell you this, and I'm not the only person who's saying this because I've talked to other people around the facility, and I think you can also second this for me, John, even though you had some parental uh, time off. Saquon Barkley, as much as a workaholic he was, during the prior off-seasons, I have never seen him more focused, more determined, and more possessed during an off-season than he has been this spring. He understands. He knows. He's in a contract year. This has got to be the time for him to show out. There's only one question that matters. Can he stay healthy? Yeah, because you know what? If he stays healthy, that's it. He, he will have a good season. We know that. And the second thing is he will get another contract somewhere else or with the Giants. And then when you say that he's never been more devoted, Paul, I've been around this league forever. And I will tell you this, for all the players that go into their final contract year, you will hear the same thing about each one of those yeah. guys. And, and I'm not, it's not a bad thing. It's just the reality of it, right? Because you're looking, you're facing 
<laughs> I want to say you're facing extinction. Um, never mind. Extinction? Um, extinction. You're going extinction? I, I was facing, yeah, I'm not ready to say you're facing this extinction, right? You're not that. He's going to play somewhere else, whether it's here or in it, you know. But my point is, is that if he wants to make some money, this is going to be the last chance for him to get a big deal. No, Jeff, you're right. This could be a big turning point of his yeah. career type. You and, and Jeff both, realistically, can I get 12 to 1,300 rushing yards well, and 75 catches? play? Well, well you, let's, that let's, factor yeah, that in. Okay. Factor that in. We're is gonna, it realistic? We're gonna do another over. We'll we'll, we'll do it over on the show right. before the season right. starts. Just because I missed those six weeks, that's because we're not doing over under shows. <laughs> it's coming. We'll just do it during camp instead. Because like, I figure by week three of camp, we'll all be bored to death of talking about the same thing at like in short practices. So yeah. at some yeah. point in camp, we'll okay. we'll go up together and we'll do our big over under show. Perfect. All right, you got it. Good stuff, guys. Don't forget. Uh, you can experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games and World Class Concerts in 2022 as a Giant Sweet Partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. For Paul, for Jeff, for Bram, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow for another Big Blue Kickoff Live. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.